Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What was the last bad choice you made? Maybe it was what you ate for breakfast this morning and it's not agreeing with you. Or that you didn't eat breakfast today and now you're regretting that decision. Or maybe it was that impulse buy you made the other day and now you're having buyer's remorse. Or maybe it was that you agreed to do something that you really don't want to do, but now you have to do it. Most of the time when we make a bad decision, we may regret the decision we made, but in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter all that much. We'll get over it. We'll make a better decision next time. We'll learn from our mistakes, our bad choices, hopefully, anyway. But some choices have a more lasting effect. I learned just last week of a young man, the son of a friend of mine, who just over a little a month ago now, in an effort to get a better picture of a waterfall, stepped too close to the edge. And fell to his death. That was a bad decision. He can't get back. Or something that we hear often in the news. That person that had a few too many to drink. But got behind the wheel of his car anyway. And in an accident killed or maimed someone. A bad decision. that can't be taken back. So what of the decisions that we make concerning God? How would you categorize them? Are they decisions of little consequence or great consequence? And however you answered that question, does your life and the decisions you make on a daily basis match up with that answer? So maybe we think that not going to church every Sunday, not reading the scriptures, not praying, not living according to God's word and will, it really isn't that big a deal. In the category of what you had or not for breakfast this morning. But is that true? Or are those decisions a bigger deal than we think or no? What if you knew that this Sunday was going to be the last chance you had to be at church and to have the Lord's Supper? Would that change your decision? Think about this too. Can lots of small bad decisions add up and eventually end up in one really big bad decision? Can not going to church every Sunday or not reading your scriptures, not praying, not living according to God's word and will end up with the loss of your faith? If so, those really aren't little things at all, are they? And in reality, 
are more like us creeping closer and closer to the edge of the precipice. And one more step. One of the responsibilities of fathers and mothers is to teach their children how to make good choices, good decisions. To think about the future, to be aware that decisions made now, though they may seem small and insignificant, may have serious consequences later. It's an important job, but not an easy one. Today we heard in the Old Testament reading of Moses doing that with Israel. He is about to die. Israel is on the border of the promised land for the second time. The first time they made a bad choice and did not go in. And it cost them a whole generation of people and 40 years in the wilderness. And now they're back and Father Moses is trying to teach his children to make a better decision this time. The book of Deuteronomy is Moses going through the history of Israel. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And there was a lot of ugly. Israel had made a lot of really bad decisions. Some of which had severe and lasting consequences. But now he says, choose life. Choose life by walking in the ways of the Lord and worshiping Him alone. Have no other gods. Don't fear love or trust the things of this world more than Him. For only in the Lord is your good and blessing and life. And Jesus is doing the same thing in the words of the Holy Gospel we heard today. Consider the cost, he says, of following him. Which are not words meant to keep or discourage you from doing that, but to make you think. What is important to me? And why? Is that what really matters? Am I going to be happy about this decision 20 years from now when my situation changes? Questions which then lead to this question as well. What is the cost of not following Jesus? And Jesus uses two examples of building and fighting, so let's stick with those. Lots of people are busy building, building their lives, building their careers, building their futures, fulfilling their dreams. And like a tower, that takes a lot of work. But Jesus asks, are you able to do that? Are you able to complete it? What if you fall short of your dreams? What then? What if your career gets short-circuited? What then? And when it comes to your life, are you able to build, to construct a life that's going to last forever, even overcoming death? How much are your dreams, your career, your life going to cost you? Is it worth it? 
Is that a good decision? Then Jesus speaks of fighting, which for Christians would translate into fighting evil. So are you able on your own to do that? Do you know the size of the enemy coming against you? Do you know their strength, their methods, their craftiness? Do you think you're able to withstand the assaults of the evil one on your own? Is that a good decision? Those are bad choices. Trying to go through this life by yourself on your own trying to build your own life and future, trying to fight your own battle, and yet how often do we make those choices? Or how often do we make not maybe an all-at-once big decision like that, but lots of small decisions about those things that add up to a big deal that are like creeping Closer and closer to the edge of that precipice. We didn't mean to fall off. So it's not that Jesus doesn't want everyone to follow him. He certainly does. But if you love your family more than him, then if you have to choose between something your family wants or what is God's will, that's going to lead you to make a bad choice. Or if you really want something for your life and you're most concerned with advancing your career or think you can go it alone for a while and I'll worry about Jesus later, you're going to make bad choices. Choices that might not seem like a big deal now. But maybe they are. So Jesus says... Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's a pretty strong statement. But think of it this way. In order to pick up the cross, you have to put down whatever else it is you're carrying. Whatever else it is that you're clinging to, whatever else it is that you're putting before Jesus in this world and life. It's not that Jesus doesn't want you to love your family. He does. The word for hate there doesn't mean that emotional, I hate you kind of thing. It means to put them before Jesus. It means to make decisions that please them, even if those decisions displease God. If you're doing that, things aren't right, are they? So to bear your own cross, to pick up the cross, is to put down your way of doing things, your way of thinking, your what you think is the most important and you, you cannot live without. And live the way of the cross. Now, isn't that a really odd statement, if you think about it? And one that really doesn't make any sense to live by the way of the cross, because crosses were meant and designed to kill, not give life. 
But there is, as you know, one cross that does, in fact, give life. But not because of the cross, but because of the one who hung on it and after being killed, rose to life again. The one who took your sin, all your bad and wrong decisions and actions and words and desires, took them to that cross and had them crucified with him there to set you free from them so that you can live. Not a life of regrets and second-guessing about the past, but looking forward to a glorious future with the forgiveness of your sins. A future not of your making, but of his making. And so Jesus knew that cost. He knew when he came into this world that he would leave it in this most horrible and gruesome way. But he knew it would be for you. To bear your sin and guilt so you wouldn't have to. To die that you might live. So as great as it was, as steep as it was, Jesus paid that price. His blood for your forgiveness. His death for your life. His condemnation for your freedom. And then rising from the dead, the cost paid in full. You too rise from the dead, from being dead in your trespasses and sins to live a new life. So to take up your own cross, to put down whatever it is that you are carrying and clinging to, to live that new life, how do you do that? Where is that cross? Well, it is where Jesus Put it for you in the font. For us to take up our cross and to put down what we are carrying is to repent of our sins, to remember, I am baptized. That's where I died and rose with Jesus. And to receive that forgiveness and new life Jesus has for me and promised for me and gives to me. And that means not just to repent of our sins here, though that's important. But I would say repenting here is the easy part. Repenting of our sins here. And so we learn how to repent of our sins out there. So that we repent to one another. Which is hard. But again, important. And that with the forgiveness we receive here, we learn also to forgive one another. And so to take up your cross is to die to yourself. To you being your own God. To you being number one. And to live a new life. That new life is a gift that costs a great deal more than you will ever know. But that was bought for you and given to you. Think of the gift you'd most like to have in this whole world. And it doesn't even begin to come close to this one. But good doesn't mean easy and it won't be easy. Crosses never were and never will be. 
So we heard the story of Philemon and Onesimus today. Onesimus, the runaway slave who stole from his master Philemon while away on the lamb. Onesimus is baptized. He receives a new life. He dies and rises with Jesus. Great. But that was the easy part. Now, Paul says, you must go back. Put down your freedom and go back and repent. And Paul sends this letter with Onesimus to tell Philemon the same thing. Put down your anger, your right for revenge, and forgive Onesimus. Both of you live a new way. The way of love and forgiveness. The way of laying down your old life because you've been given a new one. For your old life isn't going anywhere and is going to end. But your new life, you will live forever. And here's the thing. Whatever you put down in this life to take up the cross, you get back even more than you gave up. You may not see it or realize it at first, but ask some old Christian who've been at this for a long time, who've been through the trenches and for whom life hasn't been easy, and they'll tell you. And when everything else in this world and life go away, your sight, your hearing, your strength, your popularity, your health, your status, your followers, you'll still have Jesus. He's the one who isn't going anywhere. And he's here for you today with his forgiveness and life. And here with his body and blood to feed your new life. Time spent here in his word, in prayer, and receiving his body and blood. That's a decision you will never regret. And a decision that will impact the rest of your life too. In good ways. For following Jesus through life to death now. You will follow him through death to life forever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.